Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. By my count, this is the 10th episode of season three, which, as you know, is an arbitrary number, but we're going to roll with it. Uh, joining me today, we have Aaron Thayer. Hello. And Spencer Tordoff. Glad to be here. Aren't we all? Uh, today's topic is uh, maybe the most timely that we've dealt with in a while. Um, the difference here being that the news hasn't already broken, but it's going to happen in a few weeks. And that is uh, PAX Prime 2013, or the Penny Arcade Expo up in uh, sometimes sunny Seattle, Washington, uh, is coming up in just a few weeks, uh, beginning on August 30th. So the three of us, uh, for the first time as a group, will be going to the expo for all four days to see the sights and sounds, talk to some people, hopefully meet some of you, and uh, walk away with some good stories and some good stuff to share. So, uh, Spencer, you've gone to many, many PAXs, as have I, but uh, just for those uh, listeners who've never gone or maybe haven't heard much about it, uh, how would you describe PAX to someone? Whew, that's a that's a big question, isn't it? PAX is, at least at one time, it was the Gamers Expo. It focuses on community, on really making things available to people, whether they want to check out the new games, new video games that are coming out, or if they just want to kick back and uh, play some classic games on NES or play some board games or meet new people. Uh, it's really just a very open-ended experience. So... All weekend, there's a variety of panels. There's a lot of open activities, and then there's the um, then there's the expo hall. Oh, and of course, there's concerts and larger keynote speeches. And I think I don't know if they're doing League of Legends this year, but there was a League of Legend tourney last year. So, so yeah, it it really just covers a lot of ground, and it kind of offers the big sort of E three experience to a wider range of people, and with a organic twist, I would say. It's also worth mentioning that there are quite a few fedoras. <laughs> I was hoping to, you know, keep the lid on that, but it's true. There's, there's a good number of fedoras. Yeah. Do we blame that on that subset of nerd culture, or do we blame it on Mad Men's popularity? We blame it on that subset, because they were popular before Mad Men. And honestly, I drink way more whiskey than the average <laughs> fedora wearer, and yet you don't see me dressing in a suit, so. Well, we can change that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited to go this year more than unusual because uh, this is, um, geez. So the first PAX was in 2004 and that was my first PAX actually. Um, I've missed one uh, a couple of years back, but I guess this will be my ninth PAX and the 10th PAX Prime that they've done so far, if my count's right. So um, math is hard. So It might be the ninth because I think they started in 04 and Yeah, but this is the 10th year of them doing it, right? Yeah. If they started in 04. We're bachelors. Let's let's count. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's count the years. So 1 in 04, 05, 06, 07, 08, 09, 10, 11, 12, 13. Wow, you're right. How am I so bad at math? We're all bad. This is hard-hitting coverage you guys won't hear anywhere else. <laughs> hard-hitting coverage of counting to 10, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> only only the count from Sesame Street has provided better counting algorithms. Well, let's be content. let's be real here. Big Bird is basically the Walter Cronkite of the counting world and we just have to deal with that. Big Bird doesn't count though. Oh, you're right. Big Bird doesn't do anything. Conscientious objector? Shit. <laughs> so anyway anyway 10th <laughs> packs if i have to ask 
So you said PAX Prime. So PAX Prime is, is what? Like, why is it called PAX Prime? Well, it's it's where the expo started. I don't know if there's a better reason than that. Like, there's no prime numbers involved. But Pan Arcade is based out of Seattle, as you may know. And um, Seattle is where, uh, for the most part, the expo has taken place. The first few years, it was actually out in Bellevue, which we don't like to talk about. But they moved <laughs> it over to the Washington State uh, Convention and Trade Center, I think in 2005 or 2006 or something. And uh, it's stayed there ever since. Uh, it's slowly expanded out into neighboring buildings like... Um, the Paramount Theater is now part of PAX every year. So there's some, is that the right name? Just across the street? Paramount Theater is right. Uh, they've expanded it to the, um, the Seattle Symphony Concert Hall, Jeez. uh, Benariah. Uh, they've expanded it to the Annex. Uh, I think there's a couple of rooms in hotels, like conference rooms that they've taken up. So. Yeah. I think there's like a Hilton down the street where they have tabletop or something. And right. Yeah. yeah. It's basically, there's just no better place to host it in Seattle. But they are committed to keeping it in Seattle. Which is good because it feels like a nexus. Like, Spencer, you live there. You know better than me. But whenever I go to Seattle, and granted, it's usually around PAX these times. But I've always felt like it's the only place where something like this really could have, like, thrived year-round and built a community. I know there's a really strong community among people who go there every year. Especially the people who um, help manage the show, the volunteers who enforce it. Yeah. I, I think Seattle is very conducive to it. And then the other thing I, I consider worthy of pointing out, the reason, the other reason that it's PAX Prime is because there are now three other uh, PAXs. PAX Dev, which is developer-focused, is also in Seattle. But there's also PAX East in Boston, and that's around March. And then PAX Australia, which is in Melbourne. And that that's brand new for this year. So there are... Two other major shows and then one developer-focused show, all under the PAX banner. And PAX Dev is immediately preceding uh, PAX Prime, right? Yes. So people who've been out there for developer conference and then for exhibition probably pretty exhausted by the end of the weekend. So uh, that'll be fun for us. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, this is Aaron's first PAX ever. We finally go to them into coming with us. So um, mm-hmm. looking forward to showing him the ropes and how to... Um, Stay away from people who aren't wearing deodorant. <laughs> and and how to try to get a group of three people to not get separated almost instantly Yeah, in the show. Uh, the other thing, and I know I'm very excited about this. I'm sure both of you guys. This is really, I think, the first PAX that we've gone to as the site. Yes. Yeah. Officially. Right. Uh, and we're, we're not, you know, super official. We don't have the yellow badges that indicate press. But we're planning on doing daily coverage uh, every day that we're down there, a nice recap podcast in the evenings. Uh, and then we're hoping to put together some articles. I'm going to put together a uh, episode of Memory Card about it. And we're just going to have a whole bunch of PAX-related goodness. Yeah, we're basically treating this year as a meet and greet for the site and you guys, whoever may actually be out there who's going. We've wanted to do this in the past. We've put together business cards. We've come under the uh, pretense of trying to strike up some conversations and do a little bit of light reporting, but each year haven't really delivered on that. So this year we're putting our foot down. We're making a commitment. We're going to be out there. We're going to get over our introversion and our shyness. And we're going to talk to you guys and um, hopefully have some good conversations with developers and enthusiasts and people in the press and everybody in between. My goal anyway, is to walk away with some really good stories and some good conversations recorded that we can share with you guys. 
And also to play The Wonderful 101. Well, of course. Honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to recording all day, going to some industry party, getting hammered, and then coming back and playing uh, GoldenEye 007 at like 1 a.m. Yeah, last year I actually helped speedrun Mega Man X after a few beers, and that was probably the highlight, which <laughs> may not be what I bargained for, but it was pretty fun. <laughs> That's the thing about PAX. It's never necessarily what you bargained for, but you're always going to get something out of it. Yeah, it, there are a lot of unexpected experiences, and there's the potential for so many chance encounters and fun events. And I'm really excited for Aaron to go in particular for that, because years ago... I think the former... Well, actually, let's, let's talk about this. Um, I want to hear, at least from Spencer, what your like most formative or standout PAX moment was in the past. And then we'll kind of dive into what's happening this year. But I think what really convinced me to keep coming was, uh, I think back in 2008 or 2009, the artist formerly known as 1UP had a, a gathering at Gameworks across the street, which is a... It's had its ups and downs, but it's kind of a Seattle institution as an arcade uh, with some crazy game installations and things. And um, 1UP had a listener party there for people who are fans of like 1UP Yours, the podcast that Garnet Lee and Shane Bettenhausen and all those people used to produce and spent like a five-hour evening out there just talking to people, got into a really heated conversation with Jeremy Parrish about his favorite Final Fantasy games. We agreed that 9 sucked, I think. Actually, he might have defended it, but whatever. It was, it, you know, it's like the kind of thing that's like, nobody's really proud of that, but like, it was such a fun conversation and to have, you know, spent years reading their stuff and following their podcast. It's those opportunities to meet people who are doing good work and to talk to them about it that I think makes it really always a worthwhile trip for me. Uh, for me, I don't know. I mean, I, I get kind of involved with the community. I know a, a number of enforcers who are really great people. Uh, it's introduced me to a lot of people here in Seattle that I party with and occasionally uh, land party with. In fact, the Emerald City land crew is almost entirely enforcers, and I'm stoked to be participating in that this October. As far as PAX proper, I don't know that I can really pick one moment necessarily, and that's kind of because I have historically turned into a vapor when PAX happens, and then nobody can keep me locked down in one place, and I wander around in a daze the entire weekend. One of the more entertaining stories, on the other hand, is the year I caught swine flu and then accidentally won one of NVIDIA's uh, backup computers for their demos. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> you were dead. I was dead until after they had tried to contact me uh, for <laughs> to, to get their computer back. And... I was so fucking broke that, that year, uh, that I didn't try to contact them again and they didn't try to contact me. So I sold it to buy a new pair of glasses. <laughs> I was, I was really fucking broke. It was, it was bad. Well, now that they've heard this, they're going to come back after you, I'm sure. It was a first gen i7. It's not like it's even worth anything anymore. Hey, man, I'm running an i5 in this computer. No, but it was a first gen i7. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was uh, Woodbridge, I think was the original. Pot calling the kettle. <laughs> Suffice it to say, sorry, NVIDIA, about that, but I really needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> a sorry, NVIDIA, but I really needed the money. The Spencer Tordoff story. <laughs> that is, uh, that's the working title of my memoir. So. so what do you plan on stealing this year from PAX? Oh, I'm not stealing a thing, but I am going to enter in a lot of the giveaways. And the 
official schedule for panels just came out, and they announced the PAX 10, which is their selection of indie titles for the year. And we were going to talk about that a little bit uh, in this, our pre-PAX coverage. Yeah, that sounds good to me. How about we start with the PAX 10, just because I know that we've got some things to talk about on here that we've uh, had some experience with, and then we can jump into the schedule and kind of talk about what's uh, catching our eye. Well, just off the cuff, looking over the PAX 10, not really uh, committing too close of an eye to it, I don't see a single console entry on this list. Uh, does Ouya count? No. <laughs> I mean, I know it doesn't, but... Nobody nobody counts Ouya. It's Android. Um, actually, before we jump into this, let me back up a second. Uh, the PAX 10, for those of you listening, is uh, every year the Penny Arcade Expo crew picks, um, nominates 10 games, basically, from the indie space. Any independent game is eligible, I believe, that has is coming out or came out recently. And they showcase them on the exhibition hall floor alongside all the other big games and give them quite a bit of space uh, with the intention that a lot of people come up, check them out, play them. The game gets some good exposure. You get to meet the creators. It's a fun time. Some really cool games have come out of that. Super Meat Boy was there one year. Very cool experience. So uh, I always look forward to it. Other historical entries, uh, Bastion yeah, got a lot of attention there. Uh, I think Fez uh, was featured but I could be wrong. Castle Crashers? Castle Crashers. I think Castle Crashers just came out the first year I went to PAX, and it just got a lot of play. I don't think it was one of the PAX 10. I could be wrong. We played a lot of it at your place that year. We did do that. That'll probably happen again. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Spencer or Aaron, is there anything on this list that stands out to you or anything you've played previously that you have some something to say about or anything you're looking forward to? Well, I've only played one game, and that's Ridiculous Fishing, so... I don't feel too qualified this year on a lot of the games, and I think that's probably because there aren't any that are console games, which in the past seemed to be where I'd get a lot of indie titles from. And at least a few years ago, the arcade for Xbox and the network for PlayStation seemed to have a lot of bigger indie titles, and this year... These all look like some great games. I've heard a lot about Rogue Legacy, which I know, Nick, you've played a lot, so you'll be able to talk about that, but... The only one I've played from here is Ridiculous Fishing, and it's a great game. It's got a gorgeous art style, and it's fun to play, but I'm kind of interested, I guess, to say that these games here, uh, these indie games, it seems to me that a lot of them have gotten, and and that was the case in the past, it seemed, um, but these have gotten a lot of coverage even before PAX this year, or they're already out, so kind of didn't seem before that a lot of the PAX games, and I could be wrong, were either not released or about to be released or kind of use this to get more coverage. But most of these seem to be out by this point. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, I think most of these have been released. I think Tower Falls out on Ouya. I played a PC build a few weeks ago. I wonder if that's more of an issue with just where the indie space is moving right now, now that we're like at the cusp of a new console generation and uh, XNA has been deprecated on Xbox 360, so indie games have kind of gone the way of the uh, Dodo. Do people still say that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I feel like we gave up on the. Dodo. I think that metaphor is extinct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're bringing our top talent this year in terms of jokes. So <laughs> master level. <laughs> We're going to be writing all night before the show, so we have the best one-liners and comebacks ready to go. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I was going to note is the pretty sizable return. I think of the classic style platformer as 
pretty pretty widely focused on this year, I think, in uh, in the PAX 10. You've got Avalanche 2, which is kind of a roguelike platformer, if I understand correctly. Gunpoint, which is... I would describe it as a puzzle platformer. Stealth puzzle platformer. Uh, there's Owlboy, there's Rogue Legacy. Yeah. It just seems like a, a pretty solid selection of platformers, which is nice. I am certainly not opposed to it. It's kind of interesting to see that that's the, sort of the focus. Uh, yeah. And not even necessarily intentionally, just that's what's big. There are always going to be platformers at these things. A lot of indie developers like making platformers, and I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, there are there are some interesting things here, too. Like, you know, that Rogue Legacy and um, Avalanche 2, Super Avalanche, are both deeply inspired by the uh, concept of the roguelike with random generation and uh, permanent death and things like that. I've personally played a lot of Rogue Legacy. I'm excited to see it there. But there is a dearth of kind of different style of games. And um, one game that I know that was uh, scheduled to be part of this that was uh, they decided to pull out the last minute after um, some comments were made by um, Mike Grahulik was the Fulbright Company with their game uh, Gone Home, which is coming out in a couple weeks, um, which I am really looking forward to checking out. I was actually really looking forward to seeing it PAX, um, understand the reasons for not going. But uh, kind of a shame to not see a more kind of subtle, moody, different kind of game there. I mean, there are, there are no first-person games on here as far as I can tell, which is interesting considering that there's a lot happening in like the first and third-person games. Like other games that would have made sense here, like The Novelist, uh, which is in development. It's kind of kind of a strange batch this year, but each game looks interesting. So it doesn't seem like a bad selection, just a very kind of specific one. I suppose that's maybe why I'm so uneducated on this batch of games is all of these seem and this is going to sound pretty uh <laughs> dismissively ignorant but they just seem like indie games to me and uh, <laughs> yeah i know the, <laughs> the gameplay is what matters with these because nobody who's ever played uh whatever your definition of indie game is is going into these expecting you know multi-million dollar production because that would be ridiculous to th- expect that but i raised this question um on our staff page that we have and just because i've been thinking about it lately and not to get into that discussion when we're talking about pack stuff but i kind of feel oversaturated with roguelikes and 2d and hand-drawn art which all sounds ridiculous because when um these games were getting in popularity about five years ago that was the fresh air that I think I needed, and many gamers did, to keep our interest and not just be playing the first-person shooter games over and over, but now it just seems like a uh, expected aspect. So maybe my point is these games are great, and there's a lot of them on here that I'm excited to play and actually get to know at PAX, but I'm just not really um, excited by that. So what, what for you guys is exciting about the games on this list are there any other ones that you've played or ones that you're looking forward to playing i mean i hear some good things about a scapegoat i just like the title a lot i'm not sure there's anything too spectacular to it but it looks fun and interesting and simple towerfall is a game that i got a chance to play a couple weeks ago at so it was it was billed as an indiecade annex event which indiecade is a establishment that just opened up in los angeles after a kickstarter campaign or something similar, where indie developers can work on stuff, get feedback, show their games, people can check stuff out, etc. It was in this guy's backyard here in Austin. <laughs> um, and there were a bunch of games rigged up on projectors. The game of the night was Spy Party, so we played some of that. And there was Johann Sebastian Joust and some other stuff like that. Oh, and Dive Kick was there, which 
man, that game should be on this list. Dive Kick is the second coming. <laughs> uh, you have you have said so much about Dive Kick, and I guess that the name is the only thing to get, but I'm still a little bewildered. Okay, so real quick on Dive Kick. Uh, I don't know much about Iron Galaxy Studios, the developer, but the premise of the game is it started out as a joke about fighting games where the most powerful overpowered attacks were always the jumping kicks or dive kicks where you'd jump up in the air and then while you're descending, use a kick attack to beat the shit out of your opponent, even if they were way better than you. So this game is entirely just dive kicking, um, where one button is dive, which is basically jump and one is kick. And there's a little more nuance where if you like kick while on the ground, you like do a back step, I think. And it's one hit kills in a one-on-one fighting game. So you're just trying to land a hit and that's the whole thing. But they've been, playtesting and balancing the hell out of it for the last few months with the fighting game community trying to make it like a legitimate competitive game in its own right and it's actually a very deceptively nuanced game so for someone like me who loves a dumb joke and will drive it into the ground and also loves fighting games it's a it's a good mix all right i'm sold i would like to try it if it's there (laughs) i know it's not part of the pack stand i'm i'm just down to try it awesome I mean, I'm not trying to sell games on this podcast, but you should buy Dive Kick. As far as the games on this list, there's not a whole lot of exciting stuff here. Like, they all look like they're good games, and I can vouch for Towerfall as being a very fun game that I'm hoping will eventually come to a lot more platforms than just PC and Ouya. It remains to be seen, I guess, uh, where they're going to go with this. Like, in the in the future, I'm hoping they'll branch out and pick up some more games. Like, I don't, I don't know if, like, Dear Esther ever made the cut for this sort of thing, but... Things like that that are more narratively driven and experimental would be fun to see. You know what I mean, Spencer? Like Games like the remake of the Stanley Parable, if that ends up being really good, would be, mm. for, to me would be a very good candidate. Yeah, that'd be, uh, that'd be pretty excellent. So the PAX 10 will be interesting, and we're always curious to see what's on the expo floor. But the schedule for panels and events just went live. And so we have an idea of what's going to be available to us during the course of the show. And that's actually a very diverse list. I mean, anyone can submit a panel and then they go through and, uh, you know, choose which ones sound well-developed enough. And that can result in some holes. It has, I have heard, uh, historically, had some uh, kind of weak panels leak through. But there's a lot of interesting stuff here. And I know that we're looking at a document where Aaron has uh, highlighted a lot of what he wants to say. But what's uh, what's jumping out for everybody in the newly posted schedule? I'll chime in because I'm the noob here. Mm-hmm. Um, I chosen panels, uh, a lot of which have names like uh, "Why Role Playing Games Matter," uh, "Does Story Matter in Video Games," the one that um, I believe you guys laughed at before we started recording, "Achieving Gender Diversity in Gaming." Okay, now what? So. It's still funny, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's pretty good. But there's a lot of... And we have panels like Gaze in Love with their RPGs. So I tried to look at, when I looked at this list, I mentioned this on the last podcast for those who might be following along and keeping score. I don't really have a lot of history with gaming communities. That's just how I grew up being isolated in my town uh, and being the only one that really followed gaming and not just played games. Um, and even in college where I met Nick and Doug, my friends and I outside of them would still just play some games, but it was never this larger discussion. I've never been to a LAN party. I will admit that here. 
I've never really done that stuff. So my idea of game culture is basically me, myself. So it's very uh, self-centered. So the schedule for PAX, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I want to learn as much about um, perhaps luminaries or developers or writers, authors, whoever is involved with video games, their thoughts on these major uh, linchpin topics of the industry from a business side and a cultural side. So there are some great ones of talking about, be it gender roles and um, um, sexuality and just engaging the player sort of panel. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's what I want to use my panel time for, because I, I could just go to say, here's a game trailers uh, panel on Friday that has Marcus beer in it. And I'm sure that there's going to be some questions there about the whole Fez thing, but then there's game shows and super Nintendo versus Sega Genesis Arabian fights. I'm assuming that's a, an Aladdin reference, but like, I don't want to go to these meta sort of joking panels where I could read all of that shit on the internet that happens all the time. I want to maybe try to engage, and I could be totally wrong of how PAX actually works, but going to panels that are going to educate me about something. I do want to point out, at least, that the fact that you're going to top women game characters of all time instead of the Assassin's Creed 4 presentation <laughs> is just going to make Tyler hate you even more. Yeah, I looked at that, and... You know, I'm sure the trailer will be up the next day, so I'm not too worried about it. Plus, it's a game I'm going to buy. Yeah, I went to the original Assassin's Creed uh, gameplay demo back in, like, 2007 at PAX, and as far as I can tell, it's been basically the same thing every year. Ubisoft always has a really strong showing, but whatever. The trailer will be up later, but these conversations won't. Yeah. They'll have the frag dolls running around and everything, and that's fine. <laughs> whatever. I, th I think that's the, the point, actually. You mentioned how that coverage will be up. A lot of this stuff we'll read on sites that aren't our own because we don't do the news coverage, right? So right. when we talk about our tagline for Silicon Sasquatch of the intersection of games and culture, I guess that's what I try want to try to get out of the PAX panels. How many of these I'll actually go to, I don't know, because Nick and Spencer can expect me to tag along like a lost puppy probably a lot of the time. <laughs> so I'm down for whatever, but I'm hoping to learn about some things that aren't likely, I say that with a grain of salt, likely not going to get covered by any of the outlets. There will be people that will talk about, hey, so this panel was discussing homosexuality and games, but, you know, everyone's going to read about the Assassin's Creed 4 panel the next day. So that's my thought. Okay. Well, when you put it that reasonably, I feel like an asshole. So, <laughs> Well, if I've made you feel like an asshole, then I think it's going to be a good PAX this year, so. <laughs> doing your job in the end we'll all feel like assholes and it will be totally deserved but that's what happens i mean this is a a grueling event to survive and i have no idea what a ford apex is going to feel like probably like the worst hangover ever oh boy yeah i'm worried about and that. i probably won't even be drinking much so i on the other hand i've got to go to work for at least two of those days so that'll be interesting oh shoot <laughs> It's fine. Friday, it's not a big deal. And Monday, it's eh, whatever. Monday's Monday. Everyone's going to be dead. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with Aaron. Like, you know, not to sound preachy, but I care a lot about the mission statement we laid out for this site because it's the kind of stuff I want to write about and it's the kind of stuff, moreover, I want to read about. So um, I'm hoping to get to a lot of these panels that are kind of more about social issues, that kind of stuff. I'm glad to see quite a few on here this year. 
But like last year, I saw some great panels too, and I can't stress enough how fun it can be. One of my favorites was um, seeing a panel that was led by Dan Teasdale about games in their initial pitch phases, like the first builds that were either rejected or accepted. So they had uh, Brad Muir, I can't pronounce his name, Brad Muir, from Double Fine showing off the first uh, build of what became Iron Brigade, but was trenched. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, and Dan showing off some horrendous game he worked on. No offense, Dan. It, it didn't look like it was great. And yeah, I don't know. That that was cool. There was a panel that got somehow got like every famous composer from Western game development all in one room, like Jesper Kid from Freedom Fighters and Hitman and all those games, uh Assassin's Creed, Martin O'Donnell from Halo, etc. All these composers in the one room to talk about like their role in creating music for games and it was a really cool conversation. Hosted by somebody from Minnesota Public Radio. So, you know, that's pretty legit. Some real moderation right there. Yeah. I am seeing some weird stuff on here, though. Like, well, we talked about the Aladdin thing. I might actually go to that because I have some strong opinions about those games. <laughs> it's just going to be an entire room of neckbeards yelling yeah. about it. No, That's Genesis why. is better. <laughs> I was just, I was just going to say, maybe it's just a fighting ring, and then they have a series of people fight over it, and then it's like the Monty Python mm-hmm. skit where they go to the office and <laughs> the argument. Like, oh, no, I, this is abuse. I'm sorry. See, that's yeah. that's funny because I thought of the Monty Python skit where it was like a heavyweight boxer versus the uh, current English, you know, English <laughs> dean at uh, at Oxford. Yeah. You know, over who gets the, the job. Come on, like, who? I'm, I'm going to offend probably Spencer primarily and then others, but, like, I'm not going to go to the Magic the Gathering standard format tabletop presentation for three That is not a presentation. Saturday. I'm pretty sure that is a game you can sign up for and play. <laughs> I don't know why it's on there. That's why I'm confused. Like, is it? Yeah, it's it's weird. They they have like a few of the magic events on here, and it's it's kind of weird. Like four pack sealed. A that's a weird format. B why is it on this list? God, they're trying to make magic the next League of Legends. Why would they do that? There's already a whole competitive thing and whatever. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that, and the most exciting part of the game is windmill slamming something at your top deck uh top decked and that's going to be gotten by only no one nobody it's it's me i'm the only person who will understand that reference i feel alienated just hearing that so if you're looking at the list and the things i want to go to like gaming or gambling scientific and legal perspectives on today's games do you think i'm gonna not have fun at all going to these panels you know, I was just looking at that spot and noticed that you picked it opposite the Firaxis Games Mega Panel, and I'm like, what is fucking wrong with you? <laughs> uh, but then I had the same reaction with the um, the PC Gaming World Congress, which, like, I'm going to show up and it's just going to be me in an empty theater. That's it, though. That's what I want to try to combat is I still have this weird... I, I'm not Catholic, so I hope I don't offend any Catholics here, but I have this weird semi-Catholic guilt, I guess is the best way to describe it, about being a gamer still. Like, even at 27, and having developed a website off of the fact that I know a shit ton about video games, I still can't get away from this specter, and I think that's how I grew up, and just being isolated with the fact that I gamed the, this weird monkey on my back about, oh, you're a gamer, so you have to constantly justify it. It's my own problem, so sorry. But so that's why I'm trying really hard to not go to these internet. Like I just imagine, and it's really unfair 
but maybe I'm going to be totally right. Just imagine going to some of these panels and some of the people there. There's going to be some great conversations that we'll have, and I'm really excited to meet everybody and anyone, but I'm, I'm reticent to go to, like, I love you and have your game tattooed on my leg, brand personalization versus advertisement, where I'm sure somebody will actually be showing off their link tattoo and just like there's there's a fine line still with this industry Uh, yeah and i I don't think you're out of line or irrational about this at all like i don't call myself a gamer because i think of gamers still as entitled bigoted assholes with poor social skills and like if that was the case then i wouldn't go to pax because the vast majority of people at PAX are not that stereotype. They're good people. They're normal people who just happen to love games, which as it turns out, most people love games in some way or another. It's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's good that, you know, a mainstream event like this is tackling issues and hosting these panels that you've got, you know, this full calendar basically of cool stuff to go to. That's like not about how many people will master chief kill this time. And will we finally like make out with Cortana and halo five. <laughs> The fans demand to know. Yeah, the Halo <laughs> fanfic panel. Oh, God. Why? But instead, you're going to stuff about, like, how is gender treated in games? How, what is this damsel in distress thing? And why is it going on so long? And I think it's cool. I think it's cool that there's all this stuff that's happening and you can kind of just pick and choose from what you want to see. And yeah, I think that if you go in with the, with that mindset, but recognizing that I think the, the real value is going to come from the unexpected things, like the games you discover on the floor and the people you, in a meeting, that's like really where the value of PAX comes in. I just want to uh, to get out there that uh, the only acceptable fan fiction panel <laughs> is the DC Douglas erotic fan fiction panel that is not going to be at PAX, but he's been uh, he's been doing it a number of other shows. I just want to get that out there. <laughs> Wait, what is this? <laughs> uh, apparently, DC Douglas has put together a panel of uh, basically him reading. Uh, erotic fan fiction about his character Wesker from Resident Evil. <laughs> and that's just the thing he does now. And <laughs> apparently it, it goes over really well. So, so yeah. Plus, I just wanted to get a shout out to DC Douglas. So, represent. There mm-hmm. you go. Mostly because I just want to hear him talk as Legion all day. If I could get that as a voice on my smartphone, then fuck, I don't even know what I'd do. Hey, maybe he'll be at PAX. And that won't be super creepy at all or anything. No. Excuse me, sir. Step (laughs) up wearing your trench coat and fedora. Do you mind mind if I record you saying a few things? Sorry, I got hamburger on my Blast blue t-shirt. Oh, God. It's okay. It was just the calamity trigger one. The continuum shift shirt's fine. It's fine. I I ate it off. Yeah, let me put your business card in my Dark Stalkers chain wallet. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> nah, I'm I'm sorry, but who taught you words? Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and I think it will be good for us to be there in force together. So, whoever's listening to this, the small audience that we have, if any of you will be there, then please let us know, and we're going to try our best to meet um, developers and fellow. I guess journalists, but or journalists that maybe inspire us, games writers, whoever, and just talk to people and try to get some good content, content that you wouldn't see elsewhere, perhaps. So we're not going to cover news, we're not going to live blog, a bunch of crap about Assassin's Creed 4's harpooning feature. Sorry, Tyler, but 
you know, we're going to try to do what we set out to do with this site and use PAX as a good launching pad to uh, put a face to what we do. Even though that face is awkward and quiet and huddles in a corner with the other two faces. Well, I don't know. I, I haven't actually, full disclosure here, I've never met Spencer in person yet. Oh, God, I'm so oh. sorry. Yeah, yeah, I am too. <laughs> it's fine. I'm, I'm usually sorry about that. <laughs> so I imagine when he... If he gets intoxicated while we're there, he might be if. Um, boisterous. Yeah, I was about to <laughs> say, if? See, again, I haven't met him in person. <laughs> that's a, that's awful op- optimistic of you. Oh, man. So I look forward to being loud with him then and more forward, and then Nick can kind of come in and temper the shocked faces and appalled agape mouths that we've caused by our initial greeting. I'm going to be more realistic with you than that. Nick is just going to pretend he doesn't know us. And leave. No. No, I'm in it for the long haul. <laughs> he's going to have a he's gonna spin off a site while we're there and just <laughs> the real Silicon Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the Drudge Report family. Silicon Sasquatch two dot org dot net. <laughs> no, it'll be good. I'll, we'll we'll pick up like a handle of whiskey or something and we'll just sort of tool around. But other than uh poor decisions made over alcohol, things you can expect from us at this PAX. We're hoping to produce some content while we're there. It's always tricky, what with schedules and motivation and internet access. But what we have committed to so far is a uh, daily evening roundtable recap where the three of us will pick ourselves up off the floor, Mm -hmm. try to recover some stamina and catch up over some food or some drinks or something and talk about uh, our highlights from the day. So um, kind of a audio log, if you will, uh, if you're into that first person shooter trope of what we've seen so far and what we're hoping to see in the future. Beyond that, uh, I guess it's kind of up to us and up to you guys. What what do you want to see? So if you have any suggestions, panels you wish you could make it to but can't, things that sound really interesting, people you want us to tap on the shoulder really creepily, let us know. We're happy to go check some stuff out. Yeah, day, day one, Peter Molyneux was doing a panel, which is a bad idea because if you manage to creep him out the first day, probably the rest of your time at PAX is going to be really hard. Because he'll be that guy that creeped out Peter Molyneux because somebody from your blog asked you to tap him on the shoulder. So, Can you creep that man out? Is it possible? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, he, he reviewed fart apps on camera with somebody. I, I <laughs> yeah. don't know that it's possible. Imagine a game. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I'm planning to do, so we're going to do the daily recaps. I'll be recording that and posting it up. There won't be a lot of production value on those. Just to warn our listening populace, all three of them. But the other thing is during the days, I'm hoping to be going around recording really with anybody. And I've got a set of questions that I'm frantically putting together. Not frantically yet, but, you know, set of questions to ask people. And I'm and I'm looking forward to uh, to having some conversations. And that'll be as I mentioned earlier, going into a, uh, an upcoming episode of memory card beyond that, I'll happily be attending a few panels with these guys, maybe talking to some industry folks. And as I usually do, I'll probably go to the magic, the gathering party <laughs> because, because <laughs> Mauro occasionally gives me some free drinks and wait, Hey guys, do you think this would be a good opportunity for me to show off my prototype for magic, the gathering of the juggalos? <laughs> no. 
But I don't know, maybe. This upcoming set is, like, Greek god-themed, so I don't know. Maybe you could tie it in somehow. Can Nick and I show up in Letterman's jackets and just harass all the uh, <laughs> magic players? That, that whole pretending not to know you thing, then that will happen. I will do that. <laughs> so. <sighs> no. Who is who is that? Stop it. We can just pretend we're going as Tunnel Snakes from Fallout 3 and call it a costume. <laughs> just, just somebody says, oh, what colors do you play? And you just respond with, Tunnel Snakes rule, and then <laughs> shove them. Give someone a swirly. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I, and honestly, the, the Magic Party is kind of a production, and I'm actually hoping to record a bit there, so... Yeah, we'll see. Is there a Minecraft party this year? <sighs> Not that I'm aware of. Honestly, I haven't hold, heard a whole lot about parties. Like, by this time last year, I was signed up for the Hawken party. I knew my friends were going to go to the uh, Magic party. But I haven't heard a whole lot about parties this year. So, uh, additional note, listeners, if you know of some sweet parties where we can get reasonably hammered... Hey, man, can I be your plus one, man? <laughs> <laughs> if Yeah, if you know about some parties, let us know, but... No, and uh, no, you guys can't come to the magic party unless you're willing to play along. I have Pokemon cards. Honestly, I only I only get in because my friends solve the puzzle, <laughs> and then they're like, "Hey, we got an invite to the magic party. You want to come along?" And I'm like, "Uh, yes," because they have liquor, and also because I like magic cards. So, well, I have my um, Star Wars the trading card game cards. Yes, bring those somewhere. So <laughs> just just bring those and then talk about trade binders. Oh, your your fucking troll is coming at me. I have a Death Star, man. So oh my that's God. how I'm going to play. I would happily record a couple minutes of you, or or at least just a vine of you, like carrying a binder around in the MTG area, and be saying like, "Oh, do you have some trades?" And you go, "Oh yeah," and you open it up on on Star Wars cards. You got Mace fucking Windu, motherfucker. What you got? Yeah. You guys, you guys know where the the Star Wars trading card game party is? Because I, I don't seem to can't seem to find it. I don't see it on the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will. I will be. To, I guess to to add my final note, I will be bringing my my uh, DSLR with a nice lens, and I'll be taking pictures. So, you know, uh, I guess I'll be providing some visual accompaniment to our podcast and audio content. So. That should be fun for at least me. It'll be fun for for all of our devoted following. I have nothing to offer except a charming smile. Yeah, I'll do booth babe picks. Do they still do those? At these that's shows? that's our big coverage this year. Is uh, is hella booth babe picks? It'll go over great. We're only covering booth babes. There's nothing else we're going to talk about this year because that's what we do. Yeah, we're going to get an offer from like CBS Interactive to buy out our blog as soon as we start posting booth babes. Oh. I feel ill now. Nick Dutton's going to fly us out to New York and offer his jobs in the spot at Kotaku. Uh, All right, you guys are pandering enough, so I think yeah. you'd be great gawker writers. Oh. <laughs> Zing. All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. We hope to see some of you folks out there. Uh, anything else to add, guys? I won't be wearing a trench coat. Bring your 3DS. I want to street pass you. <laughs> street pass all the people. See if you can make your uh, make your me look like a Sasquatch, and then and then street past people. I'll uh, I'll get right on that. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's our marketing. That's our gorilla or Sasquatch oh. marketing. Nope. <laughs> file it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. File one. that one. We got it. We got to just call it quits. Yeah, <laughs> this thing is a smoldering wreck. This will be the final episode. <laughs> Son of a bitch! From all of us here at Silicon Sasquatch, thank you for listening. We hope to see you at PAX. Thanks. In trench coats. <laughs> no, God. Ah, you guys are terrible. Utilicilt. <laughs>
Those are expensive. Anything you can buy on Think Geek, just wear it to packs. <laughs> I'm wearing a Bazinga t-shirt the whole weekend. That's it. That's all. All right, goodbye, everyone. Yeah. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Sorry. The Silicon Sasquatch Podcast is a production of SiliconSasquatch.com. This episode featured Nick Cummings, Aaron Thayer, and Spencer Tordoff, and was produced by Spencer Tordoff. The remainder of our editorial staff is Doug Bonham and Tyler Martin. If you'd like to hear more of our work or check out our other podcast, Memory Card, the site is siliconsasquatch.com. We'll see you back here in about a week for another edition of the Silicon Sasquatch Podcast. <laughs>